You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Bringing a man who knows a thing or two about the Dallas Cowboys. He spent some time on that beat. It's our friend Ed Warder of Westwood One Sports. With a reminder, this Sunday, we're unlocking the Super Bowl. Typically, to hear NFL games, you must subscribe to TuneIn Premium. This Sunday, if you're hearing this show, you're going to hear the Super Bowl with a local call from the Patriots Radio Network, English and Spanish feeds of the Eagles Radio Network. Westwood One's coverage begins at 2 Eastern. You're going to hear Ed as part of that extravaganza. I'm not in Spanish, am I? I can barely get the English words out when you get here at 9 o'clock in the morning to have the cavalcade of stars like yourself join us on the NFL on TuneIn. Don't want to put you on the spot. How many but Super Bowls to. have you covered? Uh, this is my 31st, but it's my first one covering it from the field instead of the press box. And that is a unique wow. perspective. It is. It wow. is. It comes at you fast down there. You get a real sense of the violence of the game. Uh, and Cordell, I think, will appreciate this point of view when you're in the press box and a quarterback in the nfl throws a ball and it's incomplete you're like how could that guy miss that throw it's paid millions of dollars to make that throw how could that happen when you're down on the field and you watch it you're like how do they ever complete a throw how do they ever see through all these guys and get the ball out in two and a half seconds and deliver it you know perfectly to a wide receiver that they probably can't even see most of the time when you think of the super bowls that you've gone to which one was most intriguing when it came down to maybe great plays to wow. the lack thereof, which one was which one was one of your better Super Bowls? To watch? Well, I've been to uh, a lot of them that have had a lot of drama. Uh, the first one I, I ever covered had a lot of drama for me because I was a Broncos beat writer for the Boulder Daily Camera, mm-hmm. and John Elway led the drive in the AFC Championship game and and sent them to their first Super Bowl with him as a quarterback. And my brother was getting married on Super Bowl weekend, and so I had to choose between the two. And damn it, I went to the game. Obviously, football <laughs> comes first. We know that. <laughs> that's awesome, man, because I tell you, you know, it's it's addicting, isn't it? I mean, you, you have family, and you say, someone could be there on my behalf. But the Super Bowl, no one can I'll be there. I'll come to your next wedding. Yeah, there hasn't been one, fortunately, <laughs> but uh, I will be there if he ever gets married again. But uh, I, I now always remember when to send a card for their anniversary because every time I see, oh, John Elway uh, played his first Super Bowl on this date, I'm like, I better send a card. Right. <laughs> it all works out, taking you around the league with that border of Westwood One Sports. Ed, is it too simplistic to say so long as the Patriots have Bill Belichick on the sideline and Tom Brady under center, they're going to be the premier franchise in all of sports? Well, I mean, I think it's amazing because I covered uh, for the Dallas Morning News the first team in NFL history, the 90s Cowboys, to win three Super Bowls in four years. And now the Patriots are looking to do it for the second time, 13 years apart with the same head coach and the same quarterback. It's really remarkable. I mean, obviously the fact that nobody in their division has been able in all this time to, to seriously, consistently challenge them gives them an enormous advantage. Uh, in piling up, you know, division wins. And then, as luck would have it, they're home for all the playoff games and they almost, you know, never lose at home ever, let alone in the postseason. Uh, when they've gone as a number one seed, they've never lost. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 but I think people, rather than experiencing Patriot fatigue, ought to really appreciate the history that they're witnessing. This will never happen again. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to try to fathom us actually trying to follow it again and, and basically try to connect the two and say like, here we go again when it comes down to it but when you look at what Tom Brady's done and, and you watch these games and 
just think about what Troy Aikman was doing back in his time and how beautiful uh, that was. Even Joe Montana and Watson and how beautiful it was in its time. How do you compare those games? Because those years, guys were around for five plus, maybe eight, almost 10 years. Now, because the money's funny, where guys want to go get it when they get their chance to, this guy's doing it with maybe 15-plus receivers over his time of being a, a guy yeah, that's going to a championships back, going back to 2002? And, and with few exceptions, they haven't been like guys that we think are Hall also of Fame-type yeah. players. And that's true not only at the receiver position, but at running back. Yeah. With very few exceptions, he hasn't had a Pro Bowl running back either. Now, Deion Lewis has a, is a 1,000-yard guy this year uh, in total yardage. What about a Corey uh, Gronk is a unique guy, obviously, yeah. and he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. And Randy Moss is going to be in the Hall of Fame, but he only played with him for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that what Tom Brady has done is really incredible given the constantly changing cast of people that he's had to deal with on offense. In fact, I would say this year, you know, he's the first quarterback at the age of 40 to lead the league in passing, but to me, that's not the most impressive part of it. The most impressive part of that to me is he led the league in passing without having a single play from his best receiver, um, uh, Julian Edelman, all year. Uh, their ability to adapt is is just phenomenal. No Dante Hightower on defense for the majority of the year as well. Last one for me, Tony Baselli, your colleague, was in that chair a half hour ago talking about a very big Saturday coming up with Hall of Fame news. You cover Terrell Owens through a variety of circumstances. Right to the end. And if we're talking about the definition of a Hall of Famer and the criteria, this is not baseball. Character is not one of those key talking points. It's more nebulous when it comes to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Much more subjective. Do you think your, your brethren, as a, a former print writer, and when we're all part of the media, have treated Terrell Owens fairly by saying he was a bad teammate, thus he should not be a Hall of Famer? I know he was a bad teammate. I reported on that, uh, and it led to his demise with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he had issues with Jason Witten and Tony Romo, became a toxic influence in the locker room to the point that even though Jerry Jones had publicly assured him he was going to be brought back for another season, Stephen Jones uh, valued team chemistry in a different way and kept bringing people to Jerry who finally implored him, and successfully so, to let T.O. go. And they took a $10 million cap hit. And this is T.O., uh, when he was very productive receiver, like he probably had 12 touchdowns that year and was a thousand, you know, 1500 yard receiver. So, I mean, if you look at the numbers alone, absolutely he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. The thing that's happened though is, and this will apply, I think, to Randy Moss to a lesser degree when the debate rages on on Saturday among the Hall of Fame voters, uh, that they've decided that the locker room is a continuation of the field. Now, is that so, fair, or are we parsing so, things So there? you won't consider what ha- what the accusations made against Ray Lewis. Well, what do you think? Do you think that's a fair analysis? But you are going to consider, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter whether I think it's fair or not. That's the reality of the situation. Well, it's opinion-driven uh, media. I, I think that there are Hall of Famers who don't think Terrell Owens belongs with them. And... Uh, I, t- I think he was not a good teammate. Uh, he got exiled at the height of his career by a number of very successful coaches uh, at the uh, behest of very many successful quarterbacks. And this is the punishment for that. I still think he's going to get in. Uh, and, and I harbor no ill will against him personally. He should be in eventually. But I can cer- certainly see him not being a first ballot Hall of Famer, as, as was the case last year. Uh, and I can see him having to wait a couple more years as, as punishment. So character does matter now. Because at one point in time, it seemed as if X's and O's truly didn't matter. And 
one of the Hall of Famers came on here once and was like, you know what, I don't have any interceptions. But I tell you, I played pretty good. But this guy has more interceptions. This guy has more touchdowns. And they go on and on why the guys who are in saying that people like the T.O.s and, 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 and also the Randy Mosses should get their opportunity if you're just basically the, allowing the criteria to be what he did on the football field. Because Well, you're, you're a former player, so what do you think? Of T.O.? No, just in general. Do you think that the way a guy interacts with his teammates and his whether he is or isn't a divisive influence in a locker room should be a contributing factor to the decision on when or if he goes in the Hall of Fame? It's almost like you say, okay, which one has... Which one outweighs the other most? And I think what he's done in San Francisco, running off Jerry Rice. I think what he's done in Cincinnati, causing Ocho Cinco to become second fiddle. What he's done when he's gone to even Dallas. I love my quarterback. You know, all that stuff, everything that he's done, he has been a difference maker every single place. He's gone as a football player on the field. Now, the extra stuff. That's his personality. How many guys' personalities you know in those that wear those yellow jackets? If you really go through it all and you think about who they were, how they conducted themselves, some of the things they said outwardly, throwing water on the bucket to some guys in that locker room there in Dallas, and those guys are in the Hall of Fame. T.O. never really got any trouble off the field. He never threw any water on any, any bucket of water on anybody. All he did was play football, and he was opinionated. Sometimes so far to the point where he, was he may have ruffled some feathers. The perception is he was selfish. Which one of them are To though? the detriment of his team's success. I got you. Yeah, but, but the team didn't fail because of T.O. They won because of T.O. That, that's, I know what you're saying. You're saying basically the narrative around some of the things he said may have caused the locker room to maybe shake and rattle and roll just a little I'm bit. I'm saying that good team chemistry is essential to winning, and you're saying that winning is essential to good team chemistry. Yeah. And now we know the rest of the story. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Enjoy yourself. That's Thanks. a wonderful perspective. That's going to yes, be a yes. thrill of a lifetime to be on the field for the Super Bowl. Thanks. I appreciate talking to you guys. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on Tune. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.